Hello. Hello and welcome. It's Mark. It's Trucking Answers and you are here. Welcome or welcome back. I'm Mark, your Trucking Answers host where you only get me through your ear hole. You don't have to look at me and that's the preferred way of getting me through different holes besides your eyes. I'm here with Gracie, my co-host, who's slightly awake but may fall asleep at any time. She may be in sometime to give her opinion on something today we are going to have some trucking news some automotive news and in the third half of the show we will have yet another reason why we do not live on mars do you know why we don't live on mars because there's a bunch of dumb stupid idiot moron people on this planet and that is why we do not live on that planet we have to support them we have to provide for them. We have to take our resources and do things for them because they're idiots. So we can't get to Mars. Current weather on Mars, provided by NASA, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, the Perseverance mission on Mars. High today is expected to be around 5 below zero, and the low is around 130 below. Hey, not a bad day. I'll tell you what. It's probably better than it is here in a lot of places. So that's the story on Mars, and we will get to that in a little bit. What I wanted to talk about today was uh, the five, five reasons, not five reasons, the five things that I think have changed trucking since I started trucking. Now I'm going to do the five good things first. Let's do the good first. And in another episode, we'll do the five things that I think have changed trucking for the worse here. For those of you that don't know, I started driving a truck in 1988, back in the dinosaur era, and uh, still drive to this day. Okay, so driving this week still, naturally. So, been driving for 34 years, a little over 34 years, and I've seen a lot of changes in the industry. Some good, and some not so good. But I think that as technology changes, trucking changes. And there have been things that have made trucking better and easier, and you're better able to perform it. Unfortunately, some of these things will be on both lists, I think. But we're going to start out with the good of the things. And these aren't in any particular order. I just wrote these down, and I thought, you know what? I think these things are good, five of these things. I'm sure there are more. Let me know what you think, Mark, at TruckingAnswersNation.com. And hey... If you want to get into trucking, get started trucking, and you can observe over the next 34 years the things that change trucking, I think it's time to launch your trucking career. And to do that the right way, you go to launchwithmark.com. That's how you do it to get into trucking. So, five things. So, of course, the first thing has got to be on everybody's mind, a cell phone. <laughs> I know there are people driving now that have never lived a life without a cell phone, but there was a time back in the prehistoric era when you did not actually have a phone with you. You had to stop at a truck stop before they were called travel centers and go in the back room, in the smoky back room, and wait, and a bunch of other drivers sometimes, to use the phones that were screwed into the wall. Now, I liked to go to the J to use the phone because the Flying J used to have phones in booths so you had a little booth with a door with a seat and you could sit there and uh, talk to the family that you never see 
about and explain to them why you aren't home. Uh, these booths also had ashtrays, which were always full of cigarette butts. I don't understand why so many drivers smoke. Um, you know, I don't think it does you any good. Of course, my grandmother, she smoked right up to her 58th birthday when she died of emphysema. So that may have gotten me out of smoking a little bit. But either way, the J had the boost. But I could never fuel there at the J because they took, what, the T-check card or whatever. They never used to take Comdata until they got bought up by Pilot, until they merged or whatever. So for a long time, you really couldn't fuel at the Flying J. So I didn't get to stop there as much. It's annoying to fuel somewhere and then go park somewhere else. But I always liked the J. You had to stand back there. Now, either you had to come in there. You either had to come into there with a crap load of quarters. So you could call your family. Or you could use a phone card. Now, every truck stop and every really convenience store sold these at the cash register. You could buy a card with 250, 500,000 minutes, whatever. 10,000 minutes for $3 or whatever. And you bought these cards. And you'd dial a number and then type in your... 29 digit number and then dial your home number and you were using the minutes off this card i used to get a phone card which was from sprint at that time and what this did you dialed into this and it charged your home phone so the bill just went on my home phone bill because i had a phone in my house like everybody else did at that time so that's how it worked then now of course we don't do that you, know, you don't have to sit behind a bunch of other lonely, desperate drivers to wait to use the phone to call your family you haven't seen because they're busy talking to their family that they haven't seen. Telling their kids, I'll be home in 45 days for 48 hours. So you don't have to do that now. Cell phones in the truck, in your hand. Just pick it up, make a phone call. No problem, right? Much easier. Saves a lot of time. You can do this while you're driving now with a headset, please. And if you wear it, always make it a parrot. There's no other kind of headset you should have on your head. I think another thing that has really changed trucking is GPS. And I think, you know, looking at this list, a lot of these may be on both lists, to be honest with you. But I think GPS has been a game changer in trucking. It really has. Truck GPS, if you get a dedicated truck GPS unit, a lot of them have truck parking listed there, truck stops, uh, at kind of like an exit guide that we used to have. So you would have two books that you would buy. I bought them every year. I would get a new one. You would buy an atlas, okay, a motor carrier's road atlas, which I do think they still sell. You know, I should stop. Next time I go to the truck stop, I feel that the Petro yesterday in Napoleon, Ohio, I should have stopped in there and looked. So if I go by there again, I will check. I'll walk in there and see. Because I usually fuel and just beat the heck out of there. If they still sell this Motor Carriage Road Atlas. But in there it listed all the low bridges from the United States. There were many, many pages of that. Where scales were, were listed on the map. That kind of thing. You didn't know if they were open or anything, of course. But you knew where they were. Uh, routes, truck routes. Routes that were not truck routes. You know, all kinds of stuff. And you bought it every year because it got updated every year because roads change. And you then also had a second book, or at least I did, an exit guide kind of book, a truck stop guidebook. And this was a book that only listed places you could park, truck stops. And it would list all the services at each truck stop and how many parking places there were. 
So I knew, okay, so this truck stop, you had a cat scale, or you had a scale there, some kind of interstate scale that you could scale out at where it was, and you could combine that with your road atlas and figure everything out. And your road atlas is how you figured out where the heck you were going. You didn't just tell, uh, you know, the unit on your dashboard unit <laughs> that uh, which way you were going. You actually had to look it up. And I do think that drivers should still be taught on a paper map. Because you really, I think, need to understand the road system in the United States in your head to get an idea of where you're going so that you get a load and you already have an idea. You can basically map it out in your head from learning the road system of the country. I think it's important not to just blindly follow the GPS. These are just tools that assist you they should not be your boss you're the boss they should be your assistant many people put these items as their boss where they just follow it blindly and i don't think it's a great idea some of these of course will be on the second list but to have gps though in the truck i run it on my phone because i just use google maps i'm not looking for low bridge locations or anything like that because of what i do but I think that if you are, it's a good idea to have these. You still need to read the signs, though. The thing is about, so you're going down at night on a road you've never been. And you know, okay, I got to turn on, you know, Billy Bob Big Rigger Drive up here. And I know it's coming up, but I'm not sure. Is it this road? Is it that road? I don't know. There's a road, no road signs. It's raining. It's 2 in the morning. I'm not sure. Well, well. GPS will be like in 1,200 feet turn on Billy Big Rigger Drive, right? So Billy Bob Big Rigger Drive. So now you know, okay, it's not this road right here because I still got 1,200 feet to go. I think that is a big deal. Now what I used to do, uh, when I started driving, I was local for just a couple, and then I went over the road starting out as a flatbed driver at Regal Transportation, and uh, boom, my career was launched, <laughs> okay? I would... Look up, so I'd get a load on the phone, <laughs> as you call them. Here's where you go. You can pick up here. This is what you're getting. You'd have to write all this stuff down. Yeah, 40,000 pounds of, you know, iron bar, whatever coils, whatever you were getting. One coil, 50,000 pound coil, whatever it was. And it's going here. And they'd give you the name of the place and the address. And then you would write down direction. What I would do is look all this stuff up on my atlas. And I actually wrote it on a piece of paper, right? And I would just stick it on the dashboard. I would tape it up there. And then after a while, I got like a clip. So I'd clip it on there. So I knew, okay, 94 to this exit. And then turn here and turn here, turn here. And I had that just stuck on the dashboard. And that was your GPS. I pre-GPSed it in writing before I would leave. And I'm sure a lot of people did that. That's how I would do it. And I know it's not safe, but many times you are driving along and thinking oh dang it you know and so you got to grab the atlas you're it's open on the steering wheel this is before dash cams you know driver cameras this was when you could drive and do this kind of stuff and so you look it through the map or whatever and you would also call the place i did this almost every stop if i hadn't been there i would call the place all right and say because whenever they would tell you where you're going oh you're going to go to this steel place give me their phone number and so I then call them and I go, hey, I'm a driver and I'm coming in with this. And I'm going to be 12 feet tall or whatever, or sometimes not tall, right? Because I had a, a low top sleeper. So 
I was 11.6 at the top of my truck if I didn't have a tall load. I remember that. And you, so you could get almost anywhere. Here, I'm coming in. How do I get there? And I would get directions. They'd say, okay, you get off the interstate here, and then you turn here, and I write all that down, and then I'd recompile it on a piece of paper and put it on my dashboard so I didn't get lost. Now, GPS can take care of a lot of that for you. And with GPS and mapping, I think, you know, one of the things that we've got also on that is a satellite view of your map. So you can say, oh, okay, I need to, not only do I need to go here, I know it's the third driveways where I need to turn in. That kind of stuff saves a lot of time. You don't realize the time you're saving by just having this at the touch of your finger, really, rather than trying to have to figure it out when you show up there. Is there parking? You can see a parking lot. You can see all that now from satellite view of the map. And I think that is a huge deal. It's changed trucking for the better. And I've had a few uh, GPS units, never a truck one. I had a uh, like a 400 Navi. It seems like a Garmin Navi. Does that sound right? That's probably the last one I had. And then it's gone to your phone really and I just went with the phone use now because data now is you know unlimited data and stuff so you don't have to worry about it and it's constantly updated but I've had these units and I think they're a good deal and I can't imagine a new one you know how great it would be to have a trucky one where it shows all the exits and everything that's a game changer in the industry and we didn't have any of that in 1988 there was no thought of that at all Okay, trucking just wasn't. You didn't have. You had a call. You didn't have any other choice. And if you needed a call again, you'd have to stop and call. I've done that a few times where I'd get lost and I'd have to stop on the side of the road and just run up to a payphone and call them. That was the good thing of having a phone card and go, "Hey, I, I don't know where I am. Here's what I'm doing. Where? How do I get there?" There's no more of that. No more of that. So another thing I thought of are the truck interiors. Now, when I started driving, my first road truck was a Kenworth T600, all right, an anteater as they called them. They had just come out, and I had the truck for a few months, then got a T800, and that was a, like a squared off truck, and that truck only had 60 or 70,000 miles when I got it, and I was pretty proud of that truck. Thing is, I had a 36-inch sit-in sleeper, which was right there. Okay, you couldn't stand up, and the bed ended behind, right there at the end of your seat. There was no room in front of it. It was a flat top, so the top of the sleeper was the height of the top of your cab, and that was it. And so you had to put your stuff back there, and then during the day, I would transfer the stuff to the passenger seat so that I could go to bed, and you laid down to change, and your clothes, I just had them in a bag that I'd put in front of the passenger seat. Uh, the second truck had a seat i think the first truck did not have a passenger seat though they didn't put a seat in it she had more room there which i preferred because in the winter you could put your tarps in there and they wouldn't freeze on the trailer into a gigantic block of ice when you're rolling around in the snow but that that was it, it was just basic okay and it was cooled. the second truck had its own system but the first truck was just cooled from the front of the truck heated and cooled that's it she had to leave the little flap open there if you wanted to get any heating or cooling. And there weren't any curtains that went around the front of the truck or anything. The trucks now are so luxurious compared to 
then, and I know, yeah, even now, right, I run a company truck around that is kind of basic inside. It's a day cab, and they don't put any luxuries in it, a lot of plastic, which makes it really loud in there. I don't really like that. But some sleeper trucks, my gosh, company trucks, so nice. Digital dashboards, you know, temperature-controlled sleepers, that's a big deal. Refrigerators, some companies even give you a TV. There's mounts in most of them for a TV. You can put a microwave. They have shore power so you can plug stuff in. There wasn't even a thought to that. You were happy if you got a cigarette lighter plug in the truck. So the trucks have way, way improved. And I've all talked about this on my amazing live show on that on Trucking Answers on YouTube that I do. Where somebody, and it's usually Prime because they have this. Prime has a deal, and I don't know if they still do it. They'll give you a nickel extra to run what they call a lightweight truck. And so this is a sleeper at Prime that is a 55-inch sleeper. It's a little smaller. And I think the fuel tanks are smaller as well on that truck. Dual 80s or something or dual 90s instead of 125s so it holds a little less fuel so the truck weighs a little less and that allows you to pick up heavier loads and for running that smaller truck they give people a nickel a mile uh, so five grand a year or more depending on how many miles you get it's uh, it's considerable money it's something to think about now but the thing is they're doing that so you're getting heavy loads all the time so you have to think about that too but people will write to me and go well mark should i accept this tiny sleeper 55-inch sleeper instead of a regular truck. And, you know, they're like, I've looked at it, and I don't think there's any room in it. And, of course, I'm thinking, wow, that's amazing. That is a really big sleeper compared to what it used to be. And that's the thing about this stuff, of course. Everything is relative. People are going to say, well, yeah, Mark, you started driving a 1,000 years ago. It's going to be better. You know, you had wooden wheels on your trucks and stuff like that. So... <laughs> You know, we had 48-foot trailers. I remember the 53s coming in. That is not on this list, though. That's an aside. So 55-inch still should be plenty of room for a single person to live in, considering I live on the, I lived on the road in a 36-inch sit-in sleeper and didn't die from it. And that was considered a pretty big deal then because it was a conventional truck and not everybody even had those. So the truck interiors... I've way improved the seating oh my gosh the seats are so much nicer uh, than they used to be some trucks have heated and cooled seats in them you know the power steering is way better all this stuff is way way improved over what it used to be it's all relative of course but the interiors of the trucks way way better way higher end it's easier to live in the truck than it used to be another improvement in the industry I think has been the way we communicate with the office. And I don't mean the office. I mean your boss. <laughs> Dispatch. Qualcomm. Qualcomm and every other people net and every other way that people talk back to work. They used to be, of course, you would phone in. And if they didn't have a load, <laughs> right? They go, hey, call us in two hours or call us in an hour. There's no other way to get in touch with you until you called them. So... Even if they had a load, that was it. So now, later in the 90s, we started getting a pager. And I had what was called a Sky Pager. I remember Sky Page. And they could page you if they had a load and you would stop a column. But early on, you just had to call. So if they said call in an hour, if a load came at two seconds later, you didn't get it right away because you, that you're not just going to call them right back. You're going to wait an hour or whatever they said to call them. 
And that's how you get your load information. They, You had to write everything down and everything like that and wait to call them. If you had a problem, you had to call them back. If it canceled, you had no way to know that until you called in. We would usually do a daily check call, which you still do on the computer. But until you did that, you had no idea what was going on back at back there. And I think that I think that has changed trucking in more ways than one. Because you had to be more independent. You had to be able to think for yourself, solve problems, take care of business. TC, you had to TCB it out there, take care of business. Because it was just you out there. There wasn't a constant direct connection back to work kind of i think that is what it's turned into now it's like an imbiblical cord right imbiblical <laughs> i think you're tethered back to work and so I, what i think that does is stop people from thinking because any problem they're forever calling in or they're forever sending a message and now with the cell phone they just forever call i mean i've talked about this people calling with the dumbest things when i'm in work in the office they're calling with the stupidest dumb problems like go fix this yourself you idiot i mean come on come on oh my god my the trailers too. one person called in the trailers too high they can you know for them to hook it what are they supposed to do you're supposed to crank it back down, stupid. Okay, that's what you're supposed to do. You get out there and crank it, right? Crank away. You're not supposed to call. Oh, my God. So, but what I think, and that's, that has led to, you know, because everything can be answered back at the office. And so you have a constant, constant communication with them. And so it's good and bad. This is another good and bad thing. But the good thing about it is your load information is right there. They send it to you. Boom. Here is all the information. Here's a phone number. Usually here's the address. Here's what you're getting. Here's what it weighs. Here's the hours you can deliver it. Boom. And they don't have to waste time on the phone with you. And you can refer back to that. And sometimes on some of them, heck, we could do this years ago. You'd send a certain macro in or whatever, and boom, directions would pop up if they had them. And now you can get GPS directions and uh, stuff on there. So all that comes through and you don't have to waste time on the phone, you know, calling in to the office, you know, but this has led to, you know, downside of these other things, which we'll go into, you know, in another episode, but Qualcomm and with that goes along with pay because your communication back to the office, you know, to get paid at Regal you turned your paperwork in at the end of the week when you got back. We were generally home on the weekends. Once in a while, you would stay out over a weekend, but generally you were back to Hammond, uh, Indiana, uh, Friday night, sometime on Friday, and you were done for the week. Sometimes, sometimes early Saturday, but generally your load Friday delivered in Chicago Friday afternoon, uh, one of the steel mills or in Gary, and then you would pick up a load for Monday that day or sometimes it would be in the yard but generally you'd pick it up and then you'd come back to the yard and go home for the weekend and then what time you left was up to you amazing they didn't dispatch you and so you just turning your paperwork well now then they went to these envelopes now through the same computer you could just scan your paperwork right in the comfort of your own truck and get paid immediately some companies some companies twice a week uh, you know, which I actually have seen for company drivers now with get paid within an hour of turning the paperwork and I'm starting to see that now so you're paid constantly you get a load a day you can get paid a day but you would scan all this right in 
And if you have a scale ticket or whatever, you'd scan it in and they'd get that reimbursed where then you had to turn in at the end of the week. And if we didn't get home, you'd turn them in in two weeks. You wouldn't get paid. So this in-cab technology with Qualcomm and everything else is has been a real boon to trucking. I think it's been a great improvement of rather than trying to, you had to hold all this paperwork for the whole week to turn it back in because there just wasn't any other good way to do it. That was just the way you did it. As simple as that. Now, if you worked at a bigger place, I assume even years ago, that you could turn the paperwork in at another terminal. So if you worked at a Swift or whatever, even then, right, had many terminals, you could go in any terminal and turn it in. That's what I assume. But Regal, we just had one terminal in Hammond. It was just that place. So if you weren't there, you didn't get to turn anything in. So if you were, you know, 800 miles away, that you were just 800 miles away. That's how it worked. So doing all that stuff from the truck, uh, from the cab of your truck, Everything has been a great help to trucking to get people paid and so that the company can get paid too. As soon as they can get the bills, they can go get paid. Everybody gets paid quicker. It's a lot, a lot simpler and a lot easier way to do it. A lot easier. Now you can either go in and transflow or you can, you know, do it some other way or do it through the cab of your truck. Now, the last thing I want to talk about today, the five things that I was thinking about, and these aren't like the top five or any order. And this is my personal thing because I've noticed this for me. And I, I'd really like to know what people think about this, right? MarketTruckingAnswersNation.com. Headlights. Now, this is going to be a good and bad also, right? LED lights on trucks are amazing. Right? I think they're amazing. You know, and I've had HID lights on our cars for years, on several cars now. You know, so we've had them for years. They're huge. It's a huge difference it makes a big difference the light is brighter wider goes farther it's you're able to see better of course if you have a volvo and you have 12 led light bars okay you're an idiot and you should be taken out of your truck and beat senseless but I, and that's not what i mean i don't mean anything about illegal lighting okay illegal lighting i mean factory installed hid or LED lights on trucks. They're white and bright and don't blind people. And I think they change trucking because you can see way better. Halogen lights are horrible. Okay, when you get when you get a truck or even in cars that have the two, for instance, right, our son, my Sonic has halogen headlights because that was the big that was all the rage back <laughs> way back. But the Escape, and I've had it on several Escapes now, we have HID by Xenon lights on there, and they are super white and super bright, and they're factory. They don't blind people, but they're super bright, and there's a huge difference, huge difference. Here, too, we have a couple of Cascadia that have the older, large headlight assembly, but most of the Cascadia that we have here are new, and so they have the new LED factory lights now in the winter of course downside you can't see but we'll do that on the downside one but in the summer they're super super bright and white and they don't blind people when they are aimed correctly and i think that has changed trucking because you can actually see what you're doing which i don't know seems like an important deal that these came on cars years ago some 
15 years ago and that's finally getting into trucking has been you know slow i always wonder why trucks are slow to adopt good technology at least in the united states when they should be on there why are we just now getting into you know this kind of lighting on trucks the trucks should have been the first ones to get this trucks expensive why not add another five hundred dollars of of cost to it and get people to where they're safe but lighting trailers as well led lights now in many trailers you can see them they're brighter they instantly light up when you hit the brakes turn signals are brighter they don't burn out as often you know uh, many of the trailers that i get are full led now all the way around top and bottom so i like it i like it i think it's been a big deal people don't put enough stock in that i think led and hid lighting is a huge deal it's a huge deal i wouldn't want to get a car now without it since having it you know i think it's that important for vision to be able to see everything else i think it's a big deal and I really like having a truck with the same kind of lighting so I can actually see what the heck I'm doing. I think trucks should also have auxiliary lighting like driving lights and stuff. That should be something that companies get. They don't get it here on a lot of the trucks. Some of the trucks will have that on there. And I think it's just because that was a truck that was available. And what they probably did since they're so cheap is went into negotiate and say oh we don't want that so we're not going to pay for it but we'll take the truck anyway that's probably what happened otherwise you probably wouldn't get it here because it's they're like how can we get this truck even cheaper does it have to have seats in it can a driver squat and drive they if you could do that legally they probably would do it but i think the lighting and auxiliary lighting and everything has been a big deal when it's legal not illegal lighting remember folks led replacement bulbs in halogen you know, in in places that where there were halogen, I was checking this the other day. There are currently no legal options for that. Okay, the bulbs are illegal in the United States. There's very specific lighting requirements, and you're not allowed to replace into the housing with LED. Yes, they have mark bulbs. They fit. They make them for that. They make them for that. They're not legal. Just telling you. Okay, would you get a ticket for it? Probably not. But in a big accident, would the hammer know that? Probably. He probably would know that. So just saying. And they're illegal for a reason because you blind everybody else while you're going down the road. But I think factory LED and HID lighting where there's xenon lights or something like that have been a huge change to the industry. We can see lights. You can see the road. I like them. And I think it's been one of the best things that's happened to trucking in my 34 years. I was reading about this new Chevy pickup truck, and I wondered, why don't people have an original idea in their head? That's what I was wondering. So, it turns out there's a small Chevrolet pickup, four-door, that is the size of a Maverick. The Maverick sales for Ford have been crazy, and this Chevy has the same problem the Maverick has. The Chevy is called the Montana. Okay, let me say this. Would you stop reusing old names i'm sick of it maverick is not a pickup truck and a montana is not a pickup truck a montana is a defunct minivan okay and a maverick was a great car until ford screwed it up by making it a pickup truck that's what i'm saying that's what i want to say about that there is a montana that even has a stick shift as an option okay 
How delicious would that be? Super delicious. But you can't buy it here. It's going to be made in Brazil for the Brazil market. Now, my question really is, why wouldn't they sell it here? Maverick sales, they don't even know what to do with themselves. They're selling these things. I'm seeing dealers selling them used for 50 grand. Okay, the most expensive one you can buy new is in the high 30s. So uh, they're going crazy and you can't even order one. The ordering at the moment is closed on the Mavericks because they have so many orders they're trying to build. Remember, prices start at $19,995 new for a base model, which is super base. I mean, that one puts the S in base. <laughs> so base, it's really base. But uh, for those of you that want to step up for, you know, maybe 23000 you can get one that is nicely equipped, as people say. Either way, considering the success of the Maverick here, why do we not have a Montana pickup truck here from Chevy? It's about the same size. It has a turbocharged four-cylinder. It has a stick shift option because in Brazil it also has a diesel that you can get in it, which would be super awesome here. People never really glommed onto diesel in the United States like they should. Uh, now, prices, of course, have been coming down for gas, and diesel is coming down a little bit. I just wanted to let people know we are at the lowest point we've been in the last 34 years for our oil strategic oil reserves. It turns out that the president, who is a known truck driver, Joe Biden, has been releasing oil from the reserve like gangbusters to help reduce the price of gasoline and I of course say that's for election time because people get upset when gas prices go up so gas prices have been coming down but the artificial uh, the supply has been boosted artificially by huge releases from the reserves with no end in sight so it's a reserve for a reason you know the reason we don't have gas of course because you're not allowed to drill anywhere for it or anything but that's for I suppose we'll leave that for a political podcast. Either way, I think a diesel is still a good option for people, uh, even with the difference in price, because the price is artificially low on gasoline. Here we are at about 383 today for gas in Lafayette, Indiana, and in beautiful Lafayette, depending when you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is being recorded at the beginning of September, but it uh, just depends when you're listening on when that is. If you're listening in 2039, You'll be like, wow, that's all it is. It's fourteen dollars a gallon here. So, who knows what? Uh, who knows what is happening at that point? I just think that number one, they should stop using the same names over. Get a new name, okay? Stop recycling these old names, especially of something that didn't sell very good. Montana's were never a big seller. Pontiac, you know, we build excitement is not exactly the place where you go to buy a minivan with a bunch of plastic cladding along the side of it, and those dustbuster vans, as they called them. Uh, which were two generations, first and second gen, gen. Although they were pretty, if you once you got to the 3.8 in it, it was pretty reliable. Um, it just wasn't a big seller. It never made it anything into the minivan market. It just didn't. So out it went. And once like that, you know, no. I get the Maverick maybe because it was more successful. You could get a grabber. Or you put a V8 in them. Some of them had eights in them, sticks and everything else. But... Uh, Montana, no. Let's bring this small pickup truck here to the U.S. So people seem to enjoy them. I don't know why. I guess for me, I never saw the point of a pickup truck. I suppose it depends how you use it. 
Although, of everybody that I know, any friends I have that have pickup trucks, they're never using it as a pickup truck. Or once in a while, oh, I guess I have to go pick up a 50-pound bag of peat moss, so I'm sure glad I have an F-350 dually to go get that. You know, yes, I'm glad you do too, because there's how else would we get that home? I hope to see the Montana here, although I don't think we will. Now, folks, we go to California, where we are ripped from today's headlines with another moron story. I'm sure you read this this week, and this throws back right to the beginning of this podcast. We are going right to a truck driver today, which is another reason we do not live on Mars. He probably has a cinder block basement apartment, although for this story, he was out driving his truck. And he came upon a road closure on the road he was traveling on, apparently. Of course, what do you do then? Do you think, do you do, you do any route planning? Do you plan ahead? Do you check anything? No. Now, I looked on Google Maps, uh, just on my phone. That road closure is on Google Maps. Okay, so had he been using even Google Maps for cars, which is free, and he likely has a cell phone, okay? It would have shown the road closure and it would not have routed him that way. All right, so that's number one. But people can't even be bothered to do that. You know, they can't trip plan anything. So he comes upon this road closure. And so he ha- he uses what the police say, because the police are involved in this, an old GPS unit. I don't know what that means. How old is it? I mean, you have it on your phone. So, but I had GPS units that did not update over the internet, of course, over the years. You know, 20 years ago, they had, you know, 15 years ago, at least, they had GPS. So, so he fires this thing up and goes on a route called Old old Cromwell. What did I just say? <laughs> no, I'm going to go back and get this because uh, I want this to be the accurate because I thought the name of the road was funny and I already forgot what it is, right? Old Cromberg Road. Cromwell. That's what I'm thinking. James Cromwell from Star Trek. Okay. Old Cromberg Road. And he says, oh, okay. I think I'll go that way. Nobody's going that way. And when you see a picture of this road <clears throat> where he was stuck, it is a dirt road that goes to cross the Sierra Nevada mountain range. <laughs> it looks like uh, the police said it's not a viable road. It does look like you could get through there in some kind of four-wheel drive or something like that. You know, it's wide enough. It's certainly more than the, wider than the truck. It does look like it, you could get through it in four-wheel drive, but not with a semi. Come on. He's stuck up against a tree and like across some kind of washout or whatever where he's completely stuck. Really? You know, doing this kind of stuff? Well, this puts, of course, a bad name on trucking because he's an idiot and... This is another reason, you know, they had to call out gigantic tow trucks, huge tow trucks to pick the truck up and move it around a corner and back it back out of there. He had to be backed out because you can't, there's no way to go forward through the road. He would have to go all the way through the road. It's a single lane road. So they had to lift the truck on around corners to get it back around corners and back this thing out. I don't know how many people this took or how long it took to get this idiot out of here. I hope, I hope there's some kind of points going to go on his license for this. I really do. 
and that there's some kind of repercussion because this kind of thing is stupid. This is the difference between, you know, a, just some steering wheel holder, as people call them, and a real professional truck driver. No professional driver would take a turn on a place called Old Cromberg Road that goes across the mountain range. What do you think Old Cromberg Road? You should be on New Cromberg Road. If anything, the old road is old. It isn't maintained. Even in town here, Old two, US 231, not great. Okay, get on new US 231 that they made to go where around old US 231. So old Cromberg Road. And so we have to bring all these people out. We close old Cromberg Road, although it didn't look like there was much traffic on it. So unless there's like some kind of Jeep fest, that's not going to be a problem. Just stupid. Just stupid. And this kind of thing, you know, that's why there aren't that many professional drivers. There's a lot of people that drive a truck and there are not many professional drivers drivers and I think it matters it does matter this this was put out apparently posted on the police department's Facebook page and everything too and so we all just look stupid you know people like oh there's another truck driver being an idiot you know it's disappointing disappointing to see that you would continue to drive down a dirt path to cross a mountain range in a semi oh like oh I can make this it's just stupid it's just stupid and that's why we're not on Mars all the resources that were put out by this could have been put into a fund to send me to go live on Mars. But no, that can't happen because we got this idiot getting stuck. It just bothers me and I'm disappointed in it. So that's another reason why we don't live on Mars. And hopefully uh, that he's not in a truck and goes back to live in his cinder block basement apartment and watches Sally Jesse Raphael and Merv Griffin reruns all day. Because maybe he should rethink what he's doing. Trip planning. You know, and details like that make the difference. So that's what we're doing here today here at Trucking Answers. I want to appreciate, uh, thank you and appreciate you for listening to the show. To launch your trucking career, go to launchwithmark.com. And uh, we'll get you on the right path at Launch With Mark so you do not get on this dirt path. More coming up here. And on the YouTube channel, thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with another podcast.